Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 140 today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Maurice's spiritual awakening. We actually did this episode last week. Um, however, the file got corrupted and you could barely even hear Maurice talk for some reason. So we just decided to uh, redo it. Uh, before we get started, too, we also mentioned this before, but I'll bring it up again. Uh, episode 138 with David Matheson. Um, three quarters through the way of the episode, he brought something to our attention. He um, he said that he listened to some of our episodes and he liked everything, except there was one episode where we talked about the Arantia papers and how it was weird and whatever. And um, <clears throat> he brought up something I didn't know, which was William Sadler, the guy that was tied to this the Arantia papers, which was like a channeled book from the turn of the century. Um, he brought up that, William Sadner was uh, tied to um, eugenics, which is obviously, you know, has racial uh, implications, implications and is, is, a, is a racist thing. Um, and um, obviously we didn't know that. that They talk about that in book four and five. <clears throat> and the way we got into the Arantia papers was Jerry Garcia, uh, Jimi Hendrix, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Maurice and I were sitting at his house one day, probably three years ago before we even started the podcast. And we were like, what is this? What is this book that our three of our favorite guitar players were into? So we started looking Mm -hmm. into it and there was some interesting spiritual concepts in there. However, we did not read the whole thing and we probably should have before we recommended other people look into it. And um, there definitely is some stuff uh, in some of the parts that I didn't get to before that I read through within the last week that definitely um, definitely have some racial undertones and um, it's obviously not something that you you know you should promote or anything like that so uh, I erased the episode we did on it um, we didn't really obviously get into anything having to do with X we didn't even know that that was part of it but um, yeah we yeah. barely even read it we were just kind of skimming <laughs> well what through we did and... was you pointed out to me like I had some sort of like PDF that I loaded onto my phone or something a while back. But you mentioned that you could listen to them on uh, YouTube. So that's what I was doing. They're, they go through paper. So like, I guess you can buy them as books and there's like book one, book two, book three, book four, or something like that. And book four and book five are the ones that have, you know, questionable racist stuff in there. Um, the, uh, the way we listen to it though is the papers are broken down on YouTube. So you can listen to like one, two, three, it goes up to like a thousand or something ridiculous like that. So, you know, we would just jump around to what we, you know, we're interested in like Jesus's life and stuff like that. But again, upon further review, uh, Sadler who didn't necessarily write it. Well, I just want to point this out too. It was supposedly a channel piece. However, who even knows if channeling is real? Obviously we talk about remote viewing and things like that. Uh, but in reality, when you look at the situation, somebody had to write this thing down and the story that we knew when we got we're getting into it or we looked into it was um that william sadler was a debunker and like a psychiatrist 
And one day somebody came to him and said, oh, my husband's talking in his sleep. Will you check him out? So he goes there and this guy is like basically reciting all this stuff that eventually they brought in a stenographer and this guy that was sleeping would say the stuff and the person would write it down and then eventually they turned it into a book and whatever. But um, then again, after we talked with David Mathis and I went back and looked into Sadler's history and he was tied to eugenics and... um, there's people that even bring that stuff up to this day. Uh, what's his name? Richard Dawkins, who's an evolutionary biologist, said something recently like about making eugenics work, which is a disgusting idea. I don't even know why you would say that. But um, so, there, you know, this stuff's even kind of prevalent in today's culture, not to mention like David Matheson brought up as well, a lot of the UFO cults and some of the um, conspiracy hypothesis and uh, theories that people have regarding that kind of stuff too. So I just wanted to address it. Obviously we don't ever talk about this kind of stuff on the podcast, but when you tell people they should look into something and then you find out later that, uh, there's some weird and racist and evil stuff in there, you should definitely, uh, you know, you have an obligation to, uh, talk about address it. Address it. Yep. So there, uh, let's move on from that now. And, um, it's all about Maurice now, baby. So, oh yeah, finally my own episode. I'm loving it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about how you got into this. So, like when we first started doing our podcast, it's kind of when I was going through my spiritual. And when we say spiritual, it's not about like you know God or a bearded Zeus type character in the sky and reconnecting with something. Well, like it that. could be. It depends it c- on it who could you are be, and what you're be. getting into. But it's more. I think it, it more has to do with what you're going through in your life and then reconnecting to yourself. Um as a person while our podcast is mind escape and helping people escape you have to first be connected to that thing to understand the greater implications in my opinion so um when we first started doing the podcast i was kind of going through my thing um and now i've kind of i'm in a weird place personally where i feel like yeah i'm still a spiritual person but i'm a little bit more skeptical than when we started however that doesn't mean that i still don't believe in a lot of the stuff that we talk about so um so let's talk about you now. So give us a little bit of a background, how you felt about all the stuff we talk about on the podcast before, um, you know, your awakening and now after your awakening or whatever, you, this spiritual shift that you had. Well, before we started the podcast, I've always kind of been into the same stuff that, you know, me and you share that same interest about some of the metaphysical things and spirituality to some degree so I've always been I've always had a interest in it and I remember back when I was in high school even reading a book and learning about how you know you you grow up to have to work these 40 hour a week jobs to get money to pay for a car to take your car to work so it's like this never-ending cycle of that's kind of like what the America is built on and I was always as at a young age kind of I it didn't I didn't like that idea. I didn't agree with that idea and I didn't really see myself like living into that American mold. Now having said that, we started the podcast, we started getting into other things and learning stuff from dreams to aliens and everything in between. So mm-hmm. that was the beginning, I would say, of the awakening. But again, for you to really go through a transformation like you said, you ha- you got to kind of have some stuff in your life happen. And a lot of the times it's it's a negative thing. I was going through some personal stuff, some relationship stuff, and it actually all happened around my birthday. When I turned 35, it was right. My birthday was March 15th, um, 
all the stuff, crazy stuff that started happening in the world started happening on March 17th. Mm-hmm. And all of this stuff kind of just started piling up on me. And I, uh, I hit a bottom, an emotional bottom. And I looked at my life and it wasn't that I didn't have good things in, in place, especially, you know, our podcast, I have a good job. I have this, I have that. So I, I was thankful for that kind of stuff, but my life was missing something. Um, and it was the, the spirituality. And again, it wasn't that I never had it in my life. It was just fully committing myself to going down this path and kind of accepting these vibrations, which I'm going to bring that word up a couple more times today. But uh, everybody has Get certain things Brian that resonate Wilson with over them. Here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm laying in my bed, bro. <laughs> but um, everybody has stuff in their life that resonates with them one way or another. And for me, the stuff that was really resonating with me, I kind of was pushing it away to a degree, and I wasn't fully accepting it. And it took me to hit this kind of emotional bottom to look back at it and be like, why aren't you accepting these kinds of things? And so I started to do that and mm-hmm. I started to do meditation. I started doing these guided meditations that we might get into a little more about that later, but the meditation and then just really uh, discovering the self-love that you have within yourself and realizing that you're um, complete without having other people in your life. Like you, everything you need in your life to be happy is all within you. And I think coming up in our society, we have these stories that are pushed down on us. And, you know, I grew up in a home that was uh, a divorced home. And th- everything that you go through in your life is kind of like this built up story that you tell yourself where I'm either an introvert, an introvert, so I don't like going outside or I'm shy. And then after you tell yourself this story over and over again, you just become that person. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily who you really are. It's just kind of the story that you told yourself. So my awakening, my awakening was realizing the stories I told myself and then coming and breaking out of that uh, prior mold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that um, you, when we first started this, I kind of had to twist your arm into it. Not that you didn't necessarily want to do it, but that you thought that I had all the information. It should just be me and you should be like off to the side or something like that. On the other Mm -hmm. hand, I felt like it was important to have two kind of perspectives or point of views based on the stuff that we're talking about, because the stuff that we're talking about is very, you know, a lot of it's fringe, a lot, some of it's esoteric. And I think having multiple uh, eyes on this stuff, at least looking into it, uh, would be important. However, um, I think that you always felt like a little timid or like laid back in this, you know, even when we're interviewing people, because you don't obviously do all the reading or the research of the people that we have on the show, which is fine. I never really expected you to get into that stuff, but I, but however, um, you do look into these things. Now, I think that, um, you on the other hand, uh, are interested in a lot of these things and maybe you just didn't have time to look into them before, but I've noticed a shift recently. Um, not just in like, just like, almost like your whole point of view on things too. I don't know. You kind of become a different person, kind of like uh, a butterfly coming out of its cocoon a little bit in the sense that, (laughs) in the sense that uh, I think that you knew a lot of the stuff and you were interested in it, but you were almost like on the podcast, like watching, you know, when we'd have a a guest or something, you'd be more like watching and listening, kind of just learning and taking it in. And now you kind of have yeah. a, a little bit more to say about things, which is great. So I, I think for me, it's 
it's great to see. And I've always wanted you to take on more and have kind of a bigger role on the podcast. Um, from the beginning, it's not something I ever like, Oh, I got to dominate the conversation or I'm the one talking or something like that. You know, me, I've always gotten on you about that kind of stuff to say more, to do more. So I really like what I'm seeing lately. Yeah. You know, it all boils down to this one little saying that I picked up. And when I started looking at my life and realizing that things don't happen to you, things happen for you. And that complete it all it is is one word being changed there. But that whole perspective has really opened my eyes to being like, well, this happened. And instead of looking at it as a negative thing, it's like one door closes and, an, and another one opens. So I really like to say that again, instead of things happening to you, things happen for you and mm-hmm. getting that in your mind, because that literally will take your perspective and just shift it. And I think that's what a lot of life is, is perspective. You can look at things as negative and you know, everybody knows these people in their lives. We'll call them like an Eeyore type from Winnie the Pooh where everything's just bad and it, a gray cloud seems to follow them around. And life is similar for everyone. It's the way that you perceive things and the way that you kind of take what's given to you and making something good from it. And my dad has a lot of that quality. So I don't know if I got that from him or if I developed that on my own, but you know, it's, it, it's good to be positive to a degree. Obviously you have to have some, some downtime and everybody go has their ups and downs. But like I said, instead of looking at things happening to you for, for, as a negative, uh, a negative thing, you know, looking at it as more of like a door's closing. So another one's opening. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I feel like kind of our dynamics changed a little bit, too, where you are a little bit more open, not necessarily to the woo, but some of the more things that can't be proven or explained. And I've kind of resorted back to not materialism, but just a more skeptical version of that. Um, And when we first started the podcast, I was more open to a lot of the stuff because I was having this awakening. And I think during that that romance or the... um, yeah, like the romance period of the spiritual waking. I think there's a lot of synchronicities and connections and checking out this or checking out that. And, you know, one thing leads to another kind of a thing and it's all exciting. And I think that once that wears off, you really have to work at it. It's not something that comes easy. Not that it comes easy anyways, but um, it's almost like you get the tap on the shoulder or the wake up call and then it's, you know, you experience it, but then it's up to you to continue that, uh, going forward. So I do think that, um, like I said, our revolt, our roles are reversed a little bit. You used to be a little bit more skeptical. Now you're a lot more open to things. And while I, even though I, I still believe in a lot of the stuff, obviously that we talk about, um, you know, whether it be the, the psychedelic stuff or the, um, esoteric knowledge or, ufos or i mean there's evidence for all these things so i think that um uh i just am not i guess what it is is i'm not willing to just jump to speculation anymore i want to look at these things for what they are and just kind of you know go from there as more of an epistemological standpoint as opposed to just you know there's a lot of people throwing a lot of poop on the walls and uh yeah um Well, speculation's fun. Who doesn't like to speculate? You and I do it all the time, you know? We but at the same time I think that if you're being honest and true to yourself, that you know what's BS and what's not and um yeah. So but do you think that uh since you started doing 
uh, or, you know, meditating and stuff like that, that's part of the reason why you have this connection now? Or do you think it just is an all encompassing shift? Uh, I, well, I think it all comes, I think it all has its Cause part. Cause I've been trying like, to get you to meditate for years now. Right. You know, and it, it almost took me to a, a part of my life where I had to escape my brain or not escape it, but shut it down to a degree. And, um, I have anxiety. I have, you know, bad, bad anxiety. So I'm constantly worried about what's going to happen and stuff like that. And when you have, uh, predicaments in your life that you just can't control, but they are worrisome, that was the recipe for me to having to escape from my brain because it's like so negative stuff's going to happen to you regardless of what you do but you can't control that stuff and just worrying about it now you're just making even more of your life a negative uh experience because whatever is going to happen is going to happen and you worrying about it one way or another really isn't going to change that so that's one big thing that i've uh i've came to deal with i've also had some some different help i started to see a counselor and stuff and sort of talking, doing a deep dive into some of my, my, my past uh, issues. It's psychologist or psychiatrist. It's like a counselor yeah, just sounds true. like you, you got in trouble for something and you have to, you know, now you're getting out, which you obviously have never had any of those issues, but I'm just saying when you say counselor, that's what I think of. I think of somebody that's, uh, yeah, this guy's got some, some, some merit. So he, he, I like him a lot though. I've had a, I've had, I've had a psychologist before, <laughs> a, a psychiatrist. I don't even know. I've had one of them before, but I don't know. Like, so everybody's different. You got to find the guy, find the guy or girl that fits fits with you. And once you find someone that you're comfortable with, a lot of you know, you can open up and kind of get into some of this stuff because everybody's afraid to bring up the shit that's going on in them. And that was one of the big things that I realized too is everybody's a little wacky. So don't think that just because you're having particular thoughts or views on one thing that that makes you a bad person. Everybody's is weird in some degree. So I'll point this out. I was texting with my sister the other day and we were talking about like anxiety. I'm like, everybody's got anxiety. Everybody. Like I don't know anybody that doesn't have, is either had depression at some point or doesn't having, everybody has it. There's this myth going around that like some people are broken and they absolutely need to be on meds because you know, like that's, it's like this, culture thing now where I'm not saying there isn't people with real problems and there's not people worse off than others. Obviously I'm actually one of those people, but I'm just pointing out that everybody's got anxiety and everybody has issues. And if you think like you're the only person that has it or why is everybody have these amazing lives? And that's not how it is at all. Everybody's got their own shit. So I think that that's a myth that's going out there is that there's some people that are broken and their mental health's broken. While there are people that are worse, we all have some element of that on some sort of level. Yeah, and uh, you know that's a good point. There's there actually has been one thing that I've been trying to do over and over again because I'm a pretty outgoing person, but I I get uncomfortable a lot, and I've been trying to do one thing a week that it's a positive thing that makes me feel uncomfortable, whether it be going to meet someone that's I've never met before, like a photographer. I've been reaching out to more and more photographers on Instagram and stuff, and um, going to meet somebody I've never met before. Or just doing things that make you come out of your shell, playing music for people. I've never really played any music by myself. I've always been in a band. Mm-hmm. But doing these things, and then you start realizing, it's like, dude, what was I afraid of the whole time? It was All I was afraid of was the fear. And that's the thing. It's like usually you're just afraid of the fear itself, the actual action. Or once you're doing it, it's not scary at all. So, And again, the more and more you do these things, the more you start stepping out of these 
stories that you've been telling yourself your whole life, you start realizing it's like, dude, I was just telling myself that. That's not even who I truly am. Right. You made a good point, I think, the first time we did this. Um, and I thought it was very profound in terms of uh, having to deal with like anxiety, whether it's OCD or depression or some sort of disorder, uh, uh-huh. is that you know, putting yourself out there and putting yourself in uncomfortable positions because when you don't, you become too comfortable. And when you, you're too comfortable and you have too much time to think and you have too much um, anxiety, like that, that, I think that breeds more anxiety. I guess it depends on who you are, but if you just sit there constantly thinking um, all day long, uh, you're going to come up with bad things too. And if that becomes a bad habit, that's where you start to see a lot of these things manifest. So I thought that that's, a, that's an astute point from somebody like me that has had these real issues, that has dealt with these real things, is that um, the only way to overcome them uh, specifically, you know, it's almost like a form of CBT therapy too. So mm-hmm. uh, to overcome these things, you have to put yourself in the uncomfortable positions and sit there and live with it. And then over time, if you do it enough, it does become a habit if it becomes a habit, then it becomes less of a worry and it becomes less, you know, there, there's your path to kind of dealing with it. So, um, yeah, so I, I really, I, I, you know, I didn't obviously want to talk about the exact same things we talked about, nor do I even remember the exact conversation we had <laughs> that, the yeah, episode yeah. that that got screwed up. But, um, but yeah, I think I thought that, that I do remember you saying that and I did think that that was actually pretty profound. Um, but yeah, that, that actually piggybacks off that other little statement that I was saying is um, only magical things come from when you venture in the unknown. So every time I get nervous, it's like, well, I could stay in the shell and, you know, stay in my my comfort zone. But if you want magical things to happen in your life, you have to step out of your box. You have to break your boundaries and see what's out there because that's where the magic lives is in the unknown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, that's something we all aspire to. I mean, there are people we see, and I'm sure you know them too, where it's like they just go and they do. They go on vacations, they travel, they live their life, they have fun. They, You know, those are the people that seem to kind of have it more together than others because they are constantly, um, you know, flow, flowing or moving, you know. So I think mm-hmm. that you're always never in a comfortable position. So while I don't think that that's a feasible life for me, I think that you look at those people, or at least I do, and like, man, I would love to live like that. So, you know, like, or that's living yeah. kind of a thing. So I do have respect and I do recognize that trait when I see it for sure. Well, that happens to me every year because I go backpacking and every time I do it I go oh I love traveling this is my natural this is my essence this is what I should be doing but then I come home and you know weeks turn into months months keep coming by and then you you get stuck in that same story of just mm-hmm. doing the, the the daily grind and then the traveling starts to become more of a a nuisance almost so it's weird it's like when you do it it, 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 you see how good it, it is for your life and how much you enjoy it. But then when you get back into this, the normal life, the normal story that you've been telling yourself, it pushes that away and gives you anxiety about even leaving your home. Mm-hmm. It's a strange little game we play in our minds. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's how people that already have a lot of issues do become agoraphobic for sure. I mean, I know there's been, you know, my late twenties, there was times where I definitely had spouts of that, that it was really bad. So. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you just need to keep on moving, keep on, uh, trucking as the old deadheads say, but, um, oh, yeah. 
Also, I wanted to point out my background picture is a picture Maurice took of uh, Comet Neowise. You can see it over my uh, right. Well, it's, it's you, if you were looking at it from your point of view, uh, it would be over my right shoulder. That's so. Um, we're going to have a little video coming out, too, that Maurice has been working on. He went on a little photo shoot. Didn't work out as planned, but we're still trying to figure figure this thing out so look forward to that coming up but yeah i thought that that was a sick picture that you took you've been taking some real nice pictures as well and i think that that also the quality of your pictures your art your photography has kind of been stepped up a little bit too i think since your spiritual awakening not that you weren't a good photographer before but i think that i think that that enhanced it for sure your pictures have been your landscape you know has been pretty good lately Thanks, man. Yeah, that's, you know, that actually goes kind of with the spiritual awakening. That's everybody has something in their life where when they're doing it, they feel like themselves the most. They feel they feel like almost a natural high Mm -hmm. for me. You know, it's creating stuff, whether it be video or photography and stuff. So I've been trying to go at least once a day or just, you know, even a little bit a day and taking a couple of pictures, getting myself into that good vibrational state and i think after you do it for 21 days or a month or whatever then it just becomes like a natural a natural feeling within you um and i've actually been feeling pretty high it's a different high but it's like a natural high Mm -hmm. lately and i think that has to do with me tuning into that right frequency Mm -hmm. absolutely shout out to uh everybody listening we love you and um hit the like button if you will if you have not already um so i want to uh oh it looks like jay ladies in here what's going on uh in terms of when you look at your spiritual awakening do you look at it like that like because when you say that i think there is a certain amount of the population that'll be like oh what's this woo woo nonsense yeah. but if you look at the, what's going on in the world right now i think that um we all need some sort of personal spirituality and again i'm not talking about religion or believing in one specific way or right way to do that i think that's where we run into the problem i think that everybody should be personally spiritual right. or accountable to themselves and then the problem lies when you have other people suggesting you need to believe what they believe or this is what it says in this book or this is what it says in that book i think that's where the problem comes in so i think we've always kind of preached um with like meditation and psychedelic and psychedelics and stuff like that that you always have a personal responsibility but that also that you're not pushing views or ideas on other people you know you can talk about things in forums and online and podcasts and stuff like that but um, it's the forcing or pushing ideas on other people and making them feel like they have to uh you know can can you know form to that those ways of thinking so what do you think do you think that that's like have you told people other people about this and how did they react or is this just something that you feel like is personal and you're not even really talk about it with other people other than right now on this podcast well i think everybody has their own path just like you were saying when we started the podcast you were going through your awakening and it is an awakening. It is a spiritual awakening in a degree. But to me, I'm almost just looking at it where it's like I'm getting myself back to the natural state of who I am and rediscovering the stuff that makes me happy and what makes me feel good and kind of getting away from the lower vibrational stuff. And that's the way I look at it. And yeah, it is, just, it, it is a spiritual awakening. But 
to get on what you said is everybody has to do their own thing. Everybody has their own path. And you could have sat and, and talked to me till you were blue in the face when you were going through yours, but I would have never understood that. Yeah, um, I mean, this podcast was literally going to be called Maisie's Notebook because he wanted... <laughs> right, right. Because I had this notebook of all these notes and things, connections I made between ancient civilizations and esoteric pieces and different weird things. And um, before we did the, you know, we were coming up with ideas, but then I thought I wanted it to be something with both of us. So it was Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape now being more familiar with um, brands and SEOs and different things. Mind escape is obviously a lot more searchable, but uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's obviously both of ours and I'm glad you're kind of taking on your portion of it now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a good comparison to like an alcoholic or a drug addict or something. And everybody in their family's telling them it's not good for them and it's doing this and it's, it's ruining their life, but they don't understand that. They don't see that until something happens in their life that gives them the eye opener. They have to hit the rock bottom, mm -hmm. you know, and that, and then when they, like I, at, at one point I was, I was, I was real sad and I was like, there's nothing, I'm not going to get any sadder. So I might as well try and do things to come out of this. And again, it doesn't happen overnight. Saturday. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> So, well, that, you know, what's funny is that that was the day that it all hit me. It was a Saturday. It was the day before my birthday. Yeah. And a lot of people say when they turn 30, they get down in the dumps because they're getting older and stuff. I, I liked my, th my 33rd birthday actually was one of the best years of my life. But for some reason, this 35th birthday, I, I, you know, a lot of things were all coming to fruition. A lot of stuff was going on. The world was shutting down. I was going through a relational relationship ordeal and, it just seemed to be all coming to a point. And in my mind, I was like, dude, if you don't start doing things, then you're never going to, you're never going to heal yourself. And all the stuff was already laid out there. It's like, talk to a counselor, go get a counselor, talk to them. I already started to work out a little bit, but psychologist. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's been implemented in my We're head. We're going to get a t-shirt made called counselor. <laughs> yeah. And it's just me sitting on a couch. <laughs> Uh, but no, so it's like all these things, and again, I, you know, I, I wasn't a drug addict or anything, but I like to to use that as an analogy because when you're doing the drugs and stuff, all these people are telling you what to do, but in your mind, you can't see it. Mm -hmm. And then that Saturday, it all it all like clicked to me. It's like you got to do these steps, and you're not going to come out of this hole right away, but start building up a little ladder. And sure enough, I popped my head out of that hole, and I saw how how beautiful the world was. And then I fully climbed out and just started to do my own thing and focus on myself because a lot of people are worried about, you know, their girlfriends, their boyfriends, their, their, their husbands and wives and kids and everything. But you really got to take care of yourself because mm -hmm. that's where it all comes from. If you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be able to take care of anybody else. That's the bottom line. So, but back to the meditation too. So I've been trying to get you to meditate for a while like what was it that made you want to start doing it because i mentioned it for i send you stuff and we actually even did an episode of, on it um probably a couple months ago i think that that was all attributed to the uh the anxiety it was just worrying about things that i did in the past and then worrying about what's going to happen in the future and i just i i i, I had enough of it mm. i needed my brain to Again, when you meditate and stuff, your brain doesn't shut down, but right. you can look at your thoughts and you observe your thoughts and they, you, 
one thing that I really learned from going from going to my uh, psychologist was thoughts really are like clouds that pass by or like cars that are coming and going and they're not necessarily yours. So you shouldn't feel like, oh, I had this bad thought and then it's like connected to you and connected to your essence or something. But you look at it more as like these ideas and thoughts are coming by you and you can pick out which ones that you want to indulge in more, more or less. And I, I like that analogy because then you kind of can sit there and as the thoughts come in and out, they're just like cars or clouds. They can pass by and mm-hmm. you can look at them and, oh, that's a beautiful cloud or, oh, that's an ugly looking cloud and things like that. So having that mindset, I think uh, that, 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 that changed me a lot. Just realizing that the, th- the stuff that's coming in and out of your head necessarily isn't your own. Um, I'm writing a short film kind of based on that principle, but... It's it's strange. The human mind is a messy, weird organ that we, obviously we still don't really understand it to a full degree, and maybe we never will. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's for sure true, I think. Um, the other aspect of this is I know you very well. Obviously, we're cousins. We grew up together. Um, do you think th- that maybe this is happening too because you feel you felt somewhat alone for the first time. You've always been kind of somebody that's surrounded yourself with like friends and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, other people like you've always kind of needed some other person to kind of interact with. So do you think that that may be being on your loan or being alone a little bit or going through what you've been going through? Maybe had, maybe you had to go through that or experience what that's like, which was a fear of yours maybe. And that now that you're experiencing it, you realize, oh, this is just me. I could have been me this whole time. Instead, I've been hanging out with these other guys forever who obviously are on different paths. So, Yeah, no, I think that definitely has a part of it. I think when you people get into relationships, especially for some re- weird reason, like you get into a relationship and it gives you an okay to kind of love yourself. Like it opens up a door within you and you're like, Oh, now I feel all this love, which don't get me wrong. You're feeling that love from your significant other. But at the same time, that love is always within you the whole time. It's, it's always been within you. Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't need another person to, to make you feel that love within. And that's, that's one of the guided meditations that I've been doing over and over is it's just talking about, you know, on, well, well, tapping into that love within you and realizing that you can provide everything you need in life within yourself. I'm not saying that you don't need to get, to, to have a significant other. That would be great. That would be wonderful. But you don't need it to be happy. That's that's the main point. Well, and I think um, advice I've given friends and people in the past too. It's like they're like, I don't get it. I you know I thought I was going to make her happy or they were going to make me happy. Like you have to make yourself happy. And once you're happy then you can share in the happiness with other people. I'm not saying you can't have an effect on your significant other or help them or whatever the case may be, but if one person's miserable mentally, they've got their own demons or whatever the case may be or yeah. whatever, you know, you that has to be figured out so that both people can be happy. Otherwise, it's just going to go in circles. Um, and I Plus, think, you're relying on the other person as a crutch, and then that's putting extra stress on them, and right. it's, it's a big mess. So... um I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that these are obviously important things to talk about. And I, I know, um, there's a lot of people out there that don't even think in these terms, you know, they just think, Oh, my girlfriend's mad at me or, Oh, my boyfriend's mad at me or whatever the case may be. But in reality, um, 
th- usually these things go a lot deeper and when people are stuck in day-to-day consciousness or they're part of like a grind or a routine and you know mm-hmm. some people need to be taken out of that to understand it or look at it from like a outsider's point of view or maybe even meditate on it i know um sometimes deep in meditation i'm able to put myself in other people's shoes and look at the way that i've interacted with other people through their point of view or at least i try and put myself there um and you realize yeah that's a great technique you realize sure. things about yourself that you wouldn't have otherwise even thought about or looked into so i do think that um uh i do think that that's important for sure yeah, I think a level of empathy is very important, especially if you if we're talking relationships here. It's good to kind of see. Well, the bottom line is no one sees the same thing. You know, no two people see the same thing. So right. if if me and you got into an argument, we would both have our own accounts of it, and both those accounts probably wouldn't even be the real truth of it. It's just how we're perceiving our own reality. So it's a tough it's a tough gambit. Again, I. It's it's crazy that people can get into relationships and be with each other for the rest of their lives regardless just because of how much work it actually entails. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a big commitment to someone, but you know that the, the positives that come out of it are are obviously worth it to a degree, but like you were saying, you got to be fully you got to be yourself. You got to be the best version of you if you want to make someone else's life good too because if you're like getting into a relationship and you're half there, then you're just gonna need you're gonna need them mm-hmm. to to make you whole, and that's just not good. Yeah, no, I mean that that's a good point, and I think that uh, yeah, it's just one of those. It's you have to be vigilant, you have to be introspective. I do think that to your point about like empathy, though, I think that you need a balance because I do think that if you become if you're like a hundred percent empathetic or you're what do they call it? Like an empath, empath or whatever the, you know, people consider. I do think that that can cloud your judgment as well on some things too, where you're not even thinking about yourself. Then you're only thinking about other people. And that can be, I think detrimental to yourself as well. I think that you have to have a balance where if you're a centered, well-rounded being, then you can then reach out and help other people like you probably want to. But if your stuff's not in order, your own house, your own mind, your own, uh, person, you know, person. Then, if that's in disarray, I don't know how you think you could expect to help anybody else. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, no, I think the uh, having the balance is the key to life. Because bef- before I went through all this, I was like laser focused on my career, and that had a a lot to play in my relationships, all the relationships in my life. But you know, after having this little awakening, I I started to. To realize, yes, I may not have the love of my significant other anymore, but look at how much of the of love from everybody else I have from you. I have like four or five people I I would almost consider all my best friends. I started talking to my mom all like all the time, um, my aunt and stuff. So it's like everybody has love in their life, but it's like you choose to amplify particular people's love and make it seem like it's more relevant in your life, which. I, I, I don't like that. I think you should always be connected to your family and those, because those are the people that are always going to be with you regardless of your ups and downs and stuff. And, you know, lovers may come and go, but the, the your family, everybody says it, but your family is, is very important. I mean, I think the seeds, again, I'll bring, I think the seeds um, of the issues that you were experiencing were sown even as far back as high school, man. Just the constant, mm-hmm. you got to follow the party. You know, you were always the kind of follow the party kind of a guy. 
whose party this weekend? You always wanted to be where it was at, you know, um, even yeah. until you were in your, your mid to late twenties too. So I think that when you're, when you're part of that lifestyle, when the party dies down and everybody's old and wants to stay at home with their kids or their husbands and wives and things like that, and you realize you're still trying to live that life. Not that you were, you know, we know people that are far worse in that regard, but it, just in terms of you're always looking for the, the next thing, you know? And I think when there's no thing left, then you realize, oh, I have to make my own thing. I've just been following other things. Right. And I've always had the, the mentality of, of people pleasing and stuff. Like you said, back in high school, I would treat each class as my own little stand-up routine. <laughs> and after the class, it didn't matter if I learned anything. I would be more judgmental if I made people laugh or not. So I, I've always been in that. I wouldn't say that I followed the crowd because yeah, yeah, that, I wouldn't I did music and stuff like that. Yeah, but I yeah, I I definitely like to please the people. That's that's something that I, I wouldn't even I, say I, you're I a people can... pleaser. Like I I think I I said it actually pretty well, which is that you wanted to follow the energy or the party or wherever mm-hmm. the thing was. It wasn't like you were following trends or anything like that. It was just you wanted to be around people and and like you said, entertain and stuff like that. But not from the sense that you you needed it. Uh, um, maybe you did. I don't know. I, only you could know that. But it just seemed like it was a fun thing to do. It was like your hobby kind of a thing. And then obviously we've been in bands and you do photography and you know other things like that. But um, you live and you learn. And I think that you learned that you can be by yourself and still be a happy person. I think that's important. I think everybody has to go through that at some point in their life. Yeah, it's a tricky thing, especially with the arts too, because there's a thin line between you know, putting a, you know, posting a picture. Obviously I like to get feedback on my photos and stuff like that. Cause I, it's art that I want people to see, but then there's also another level where you can disconnect and just not care. You can put it out there and regardless of how many likes you got, you'll still be happy with your final product. And you know, it's funny. I see a lot of these photographers fall into this Instagram rut where they're taking pictures. They start out taking pictures of all the stuff that they enjoy, mm-hmm. but then they start looking at the likes and they go, Oh, well the sunset pictures get way more likes than the, than the river pictures do. So I'm going to go only at suns. you know what I'm saying? So they, they start skewing <laughs> their art around what people are right. trying to, you know, that they see people reacting to, which that can be the death of an artist right there. Oh, you're a hundred percent crack. Actually, I've been, I've experienced that myself. I remember when I first got onto Reddit and I was posting some of our episodes around on different subreddits and trying to engage with people. Um, there, I would also, at the time I was really into cooking and I would make like homemade pizza from scratch, like dough and everything. These things would come out looking unbelievable. So I'd take pictures of those and some of uh-huh. those would get like two, 300 upvotes. And then our, our, our episodes would get like 10, 15, maybe, you know? So it was like this thing. It's like, well, welcome uh, to consumer nation. Yeah, baby. exactly. It's like, maybe should I be making my own food and taking pictures and be like a food blogger? Maybe I would kill it then. You know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but uh, you know, making homemade pastas and different things. So I do think that uh, you're right about that. It's like almost like there's this like gig economy thing, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, whether you're a blogger or a podcaster, musician, whatever it may be, you do question at some point, do I just give into this other thing just to make money, but I'm still doing kind of what I like, or is it more important to keep the integrity of what I was trying to do um, and go from there? And I think that's actually what we've uh, done with our podcast, though. We've kept the integrity. Look, it's so easy if you listen to some of these other shows to, to fall into these wacky crazy things to say and um 
you know it's just not us we can't even say them anymore because we don't want our video to get banned (laughs) Uh, well it's not even like that but i will say that there are things obviously i don't believe in a lot of the stuff but it's like i don't want to become one of these podcasts or channels or whatever is just saying crazy shit to get listens or views i want it to be authentic i want what people are hearing to be real learning real um research and education and and looking into different things and we'll give you our honest opinion look i'm not a scientist or a doctor or anything like that but i do enjoy researching and looking into these things and we will always give you our honest opinion based on what we're seeing so i think that um yeah i think that it's important to stay true to yourself and keep the integrity if it's art um and by that that's why we you might struggle we have the big we have those scientists and doctors on and we question we i think you do a great job of questioning them but you also keep yourself uh, in the middle so you're not just like oh you said that I'm going to jump on board because I had a doctor on my street you know what I'm saying like right. you're not just fully agreeing with people you kind of right. are sticking to your guns which the, you, you, if you lose that then, then you've lost it all in my opinion well and there's I think it's you know you'll see people criticize you know Rogan for questioning people or you'll see people criticize different podcasters for asking tough questions but I, I what do you I don't want to listen to an echo chamber you know if you have Joe Rogan just did that episode with George Knapp and uh, Jeremy Corbell. And uh, Mm -hmm. people, you know, there's a lot of people like, oh, he questioned, you know, like people, you know, part of UFO Twitter and people in the know with UFO stuff. Oh, he said this or he doesn't believe that. It's like, who cares? I would rather, more people are watching that than are going to look at your stupid tweets. You know what I'm saying? So it's more, if you want the message out there, the message is now getting out there. So if you think that you're going to control the narrative, like who are you? Who cares? Just let the stuff get out there. Let people decide. That's what. That's how uh, information uh, should be disseminated. It should be um, just put out there and let people decide. So I do think that you don't want to create an echo chamber where you just have people on there agreeing with you. And I at least, you know, even if I agree, I will say this. Even when we have guests on where I agree with their research or what they're doing or there's a lot of interesting stuff with their work, I will somewhat ask tough questions or what somebody opposed might ask. Cause I feel like that's my duty in that moment is to play the other side. Not that I'm trying mm-hmm. to be the skeptic or trying to be evil, but I'm going to question you. I want to know what, you know, down to the critical level, what, what is your research entail and, and how did you arrive at that? You know, if you're not doing that, then what are we doing? Yeah, no, you gotta have a, you gotta have an open mind and, but you can't, I don't know. I mean, which, what you're doing is good. That's the bottom line. It's don't go with, you know, we're not going to be out there people pleasing, boiling it back to what, I, what my kind of life has been is trying to please everybody. And, you know, let's do, let's do what's good for us first. If people catch on then beautiful. And it seems like we got a bunch of people catching on to this. So thanks everybody for joining us. Hit that like button when you get a chance. But, uh, you know, we're just going to keep plugging away here and bringing the truth as much as we can because the truth today, like we say, in 100 years from now, might not be the truth then. Well, scientific truth. I do think that there are ultimate truths. Um, there are ultimate truths out there, whether it's, you know, some sort of ancient saying or if it's the as above, so below or whatever uh-huh. you want to get into with all those things, you know, ancient proverbs and different things. I do think that there are ultimate universal truths that are true to human beings as far back as the beginning of civilization or time till now. So Mm -hmm. I do think that that does exist. However, 
there I don't I also don't think that there's this objective world that can be obtained through humanity meaning that even if one person obtains that that's still one anecdotal person's point of view so I mean to get everybody on board with the same thing I think we all create this objective truth we all participate in this thing it's like a game we all participate and wherever the the trend or the the masses lean towards is kind of what's considered the truth at that moment. But I think that that's always in flux as well too. And I think that we don't talk about politics, but I think politics and, you know, uh, social issues and things like that drive all of those things back and forth either way. So, um, I don't think that there's this like world where there's this objective world outside of us that there's objective truths beholden to that. And hypothetically, let's say that we are the only things that live in this universe that can't be true then because if we're the only thing experiencing this then what is if you say that okay well you know from a material standpoint you could say this is how the universe works or this is how science works but then when you start talking about like feelings and emotions and personal um, consciousness and things like that i think that that's where this whole thing starts to dissolve well let me ask you this because i've been on this kick lately where I really do believe that the world is a reflection of whatever's going on within you. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I do think that there's actually some truth to that. Now, not entirely, but I do think that if you pay attention to what's going on in the world, um, the part of you that either agrees with things or not agrees with things comes into focus and you start to think about those kinds of things more. So... Look, I try not to watch the news or get, not that I don't know what's going on in the world, but I try not to watch as much as I can because I do think it's parasitic in nature in terms of your personal self. And I think that the more you can get away from that, which it's hard to do. I mean, if you're on blind social media or, you know, even if you pick up your phone, even if you're not looking for it, I get Apple news alerts and all sorts of junk on my Mm -hmm. phone that I don't want to see that I'm forced to see. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think that what you're saying, it's almost like psychedelics in a way. When you take a psychedelic, um, people that yeah. have bad trips, I, I'm in the camp of I don't really think there's a bad trip unless you have some sort of psychotic break. Of course, that's terrible. Nobody wants that. And you should never take psychedelics if you think that that might be a possibility or it's hereditary or whatever the case may be. But that being said, I don't, in the terms of when somebody take something and they didn't have the best time or they were forced with, you know, they confronted with a lot of issues. What you're doing is you're seeing a mirror of all the bad shit in your life and you're forced to confront it in a way that you're not normally not forced to do. So like in your day-to-day consciousness, yeah, you might have some thoughts in the back of your head or some anxieties pop up, but when you take a psychedelic, it's you're, you're right there. It's It's in the forefront, in the forefront, in the middle, and you're forced to, to, to overcome it and deal with it. And I think that same can be said about what you're saying. You know, our being or our consciousness is a reflection of what's going on. Are those two things related? I think that that's something to look into for sure. Um, it might be. I also think it might be a shell game or a giant's marble in, in a way where one thing does have an effect on the other, but there's different layers or levels of it. Yeah, I also think that you know whatever is needed, that the universe will provide it, and I think you can even look at some of these quantum physics experiments where they have a plant in a room and they have a light going in different quadrants at a random, in a random, uh, at a random pace. And 
the light seems to go over the plant more often. Do you remember seeing that little study? Mm, I didn't. I Actually, I might have. I don't remember. Is, so is this real science, though, or is this some sort of... Yeah, yeah, this is real science. I'll look I'll look some stuff up, and uh, maybe we can provide a link from down below just yeah, so maybe people when can... We do that, I, I'm no next... scientist. <laughs> I... Either is Bill Nye. Um, <laughs> but... No, but I just thought that that, that uh, experiment was, was, was interesting because the plant obviously needs light to live and then the light seemed to go over the plant more often than than other places yeah so it's, I, it's almost I'm like it's conjuring so, it so you have to really look into these things so um even that masaru emoto you know the guy with the the freezing the the crystals playing nice music and the crystals uh-huh. being perfect and then playing like hardcore death metal and these things are you know dismembered or deformed crystals or whatever whatever you want to say um i do think that um you have to look into these things well because there's a lot of controversy surrounding him and his connection to like kind of like you know the what the bleep do we know kind of stuff and that whole grouping of people that talk about those things now i do think that there is something to be said so like if you talk to your plant you know or your constantly you know people that sing to their plants or things like that there is some sort of weird thing and i think that that goes true for animals as well if you're constantly petting your animal telling you telling your animal how much you love them your pet whatever the case may be i feel like there's a good chance that that quality of life is going to be far better for that animal than if you let's say you loved it but you didn't always pet it or kind of indifferent to the the whole thing i do think that there's something to that do i know what the mechanism is or what to call it no but I think that life uh, or positivity um, recognizes positivity kind of in, in a certain way. But again, I don't know what that mechanism is to say, hey, you know, this is what you should be looking for. Well, we're not going to go create like the last episode. I remember I was using the the vibrations terms a lot, <laughs> but it, you just described exactly what I was. What, what's in my mind is the positive vibration. So if you can align yourself with whatever that may be, for me, it's going out into nature and taking photos for you. It might be researching or playing music or whatever. Everybody has their own different path, but the more you're putting yourself in that positive state of whatever, that's how you raise your, uh, your consciousness. But my question to you is, so they, there were studies that were talking about plants reacting to just vibration alone. Do you think your plants would grow better um, and stronger if you went in there and played, you know, more positive music or gave them more positive affirmations, whether or rather than it doesn't matter. You could go in there and scream at them and it would, you'd have the same outcome. I think that, I think there is, I think when you're talking about living things, for some reason, I do think that water, I don't, water is not a living thing per se. I guess there's we don't know microorganisms that live in there or you could say whatever, but yeah, I mean, um, when it, when it comes to actual lit life or whatever, I mean, we've had um, Peter Sherstead on, and he's a big proponent of panpsychism, which is the idea that everything is sentient or has consciousness. So uh-huh. let's say a plant does have consciousness. I don't know how being positive or playing positive music around it couldn't be a good thing, you know? Right. But I think where does that, you know, like we love the band Fish, and Fish has a lot of tension and release. So if there's a bunch of tense parts... And then there's a release. Does the thing know about the release or is it only going to take in the more of the tension? You know what I'm saying? Like that's where you're getting down to the nitty gritty. Let's get this show on the road. You know, wow. shout, shout out to Look all of this our guy. fish fans out there. <laughs> um, 
Well, well, no, it's interesting that you do bring up the fish show because when I was a freshman in high school, what is that? I went is that to a, a lock concert. In? Is that a lock-in t-shirt, by the way? Yeah, I, I didn't go. This was bought bought for me, but oh. I uh, that's actually one of the first places that I experienced a, a mask, uh, a collective consciousness of positive energy was during a fish song when they did they, they the song climaxed and everybody was yelling and having a good time but you literally felt the resonation of that positive vibration Mm -hmm. and that that was a profound experience in my life and you know to sum up actually this this whole spiritual awakening thing it's all the stuff in my life that I kind of was pushing to the back I knew it was true deep down but life happened and reality and all this material stuff kind of overwhelms you but during my awakening, I kind of boiled it down and I go, dude, these are the things that you've, has resonated with you your entire life. Why are you not accepting them? Why are you not implementing them in your life? And I started to do that. And all of a sudden, my consciousness rose and my vibration is, is, is a lot different. It's way more positive and things like that. So again, my, my final note to people would be to stop having so much resistance to things that you know deep down in your soul are good. Everybody talks about these gut reactions and stuff. That shit's real. Dive into some of these gut reactions. Go with them and see what yeah, happens. And most of our serotonin's contained in our gut. Um, so, I mean, I think that there might be something to that. If we knew um, more about the brain and, you know, the physiology of the way that these endogenous chemicals work, um, even if you were to explain the mechanism behind it, I still don't think that that could give you an indication of what you're talking about. So I do think that there's an experiential nature to life and to us that even if you were to break it down or boil it down to some sort of evolutionary or physical mechanism, I still don't think that gives you the full picture, obviously. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, again, you know, the stuff I'm talking about the with the gut and the biome and all the the different microbes that live in your stomach. That's a scientific way to explain it. And I'm sure in the next 20 years, we're going to find a whole boatload of information. Cause a lot of the stuff that I read now is more of your brain is more of a, the, the control mechanism. It's more of like the engineer of your body and the stomach is more of your feelings and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So we'll see again. I'm not going to uh, join yeah, one of the camps or the other, but I'm just saying the gut reaction stuff for me is the stuff that I was putting to the side. And the day I started to accept it more and go down that path, a whole new slew of opportunity arose. Yeah, and there was a um, a recent article. It was, just came out yesterday, and uh, I retweeted it and put a little message on there. Um, and uh, Martin, friend of the show from Alchemical Mind podcast, also chimed in on it. it was The article was pretty much just saying that they're going to look into using mathematics um, the way that or the function of like the brain and what's happening when you hallucinate or, or take psychedelics. Now a particular, the particular aspect of what they were talking about had to do with the fact that when you go into these psychedelic states, your brain starts to produce sometimes not everybody, but like psychic or um, geometrical patterns. And by, by that way, they were going to look into the mm. mathematics to try and break it all down. Now, I tweeted, well, what about DMT entities and things like that? Because not everybody just sees geometric patterns or something like a pattern that's flowing. I thought the best representation of Trippian is actually from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when he walks into the hotel 
And, oh, that's and, a great and example. And the person's yeah. scarf's kind of just, you know, blowing back a little bit. Like that, that is pretty accurate or the flowing patterns and stuff like the that. the floor when it when it's yeah when the, the floor, floor is moving like yeah, that yeah, that yeah. is exactly what it's like so um but so hats off to terry gilliam <laughs> for getting that one right because no all the, all the other movies it's like here comes a dragon yeah you know or here comes some elves it's elephant. like dude that's yeah uh but so but i just wanted to say like in terms of of, of that which is that we can take our best guesses and we can use science all day long but we still don't know what's going on. So I would still look at the teleology or the telos, the purpose behind things. And if you have a purpose, I think that you're, you're in a good place. If you don't have a purpose, I think that's a dangerous way to live. However, to Mm. each their own, if somebody feels like they can function without a purpose and just be a good person, then that's on them. But I think you found your purpose, maybe not exactly, but you have a path now. So, um, yeah, thanks for sharing your, uh, your your journey with us no problem i'm i hopefully it'll uh, touch some other people and they can find their own path too because you know what the bottom line is it's like me and you could sit here and both tell exactly what we did exactly how we achieved it but that's not going to resonate with somebody else they got to find their own path they got to find their own truth and that's what it's all about yeah, so this has been, I think, a good episode. I think we got a lot of truth out there um, in terms of, you know, the ran- your rancher paper stuff. Obviously, we're not going to be talking about that anymore. We don't condone any type of thinking along those lines. So even if it was a small part of the book or there's undertones or whatever the case may be, uh, we just don't want any part of that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that's the message we try and – send with the show is love and you know i tell everybody i love them and we'll beginning or the end of the episode and we're just trying to spread knowledge and love and peace and try to um get information out there and let people decide for themselves and uh we'll continue to do that beautiful beautiful well i'm gonna work on this uh capturing the comet little documentary thing and yeah, we're going to start doing, oh. trying to do some more movie stuff. I know we were making some short stuff like the origins of ancient Greece. We'll try and start doing some more stuff like that again here. And um, if anybody's got a suggestion, leave a comment. You know, yeah. we're open to all ideas. So in the app that we've been working on uh, for, for platform for to talk about all these kinds of things without any sort of t- repercussions or taking stuff down, that should be good to go soon. I think we've got a lot of the stuff together now so look for that and once we get that up we'll do an episode about it and we'll we'll promote the hell out of it so uncertain times here on the earth but we're sending out the positive vibrations everybody stick in there and uh we're gonna get through this mr vibrations here (laughs) give us give us one word to end on here one word i like i said give us a phrase give us a phrase well I'm going to put you on the Magic spot. things happen from the unknown. Don't be afraid to go experience stuff that makes you uncomfortable. All right. Well, again, we love everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See ya. 